Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are looking at a paper that is titled Horses are Sensitive to Baby Talk. Pet-Directed Speech Facilitates Communication with Humans in a Pointing Task and During Grooming. This is by L. Lanzade et al. And if you have ever spoken to your horse or your dog in a baby voice, then this will be right up your alley. So... <laughs> Pet-directed speech is what they call this use of baby talk. And it's a type of speech that humans use when we specifically speak to our companion animals. And it's very similar to the speech that's used when talking to babies. A survey on social media showed that 92.7% of the respondents used this pet-directed speech with their horse but only 44% thought their horse was actually sensitive to it. And the others either didn't know or doubted how effective it was. But still, that's a huge proportion of horse owners in this survey that responded saying that they use this type of speech. It definitely made me think about how I talk to my horse after reading this article. But the premise of the study they did here is really interesting. So it was during a grooming task. And they used an experimenter, they used the speech, and they used a couple other little azadas to try and determine, does this use of baby talk essentially have a positive, negative, or any effect on our horses? So Nancy's going to dive a little bit more into the methodology behind it. Yeah, I thought this methodology was kind of important to cover because I myself having a pretty good relationship with my horses could not replicate this because what they did is they used 20 Welsh mares, no geldings, just mares, and they were 6.3, give or take 3.38 years in the study. They had all been reared from babies at the Animal Physiology Experimental Unit And a staff of the same five research technicians uh, was in charge of these animals from birth. Um, They declared that they had never used uh, pet-directed speech with these horses. And these horses had never been previously trained to follow the pointing gestures used in this study. They lived in groups in an indoor stall and had free access to an outdoor paddock, and then hay and water were available at all times. Um, The experiment took place over the course of 10 weeks, and for the first four weeks, the horses were in a pre-familiarization phase, but then in week five and six, they had one grooming session per week. In week seven to nine, No tests were conducted, so they were allowed just to chill. And then in week 10, each horse carried out one pointing task session. 
For the grooming task, the 20 horses followed two sessions each, one with adult-directed speech and the other with the pet-directed speech condition. And then to avoid the effect of a certain order, 10 horses had the adult-directed speech in week five, followed by pet-directed speech in week six, and then the other 10 had the reverse. So for the pointing task, the horses were tested in a single session on a limited number of trials, which were six, to reduce the possibility of learning to follow the pointing gesture through trial and error. So the horses were randomly divided into two independent groups for the pointing task. 10 horses were tested on this task using adult directed speech and the other 10 using the pet directed speech. So the other addition was the experimenter was always the same, but experimenters changed between the two tasks to see whether the observed effect was specific to one person. Uh, both experimenters were young women, medium height, average build, and they had experience work working with horses. They each wore blue trousers and a black jacket. And, what, was, um, what was quite interesting, I thought, about the um, pointing test with the buckets is that the horses were, so the horse was considered successful if it chose a bucket. There were two buckets and the experimenter would point at a bucket and either use this um, pet baby talk or use just a neutral voice like you would if you were talking to another adult. And this, um, they would use one, so they would choose one. It wasn't both. And they found that the horses would choose the bucket that they pointed to if they used the baby talk the horses were more successful in making that choice so they kind of determined that using this inflection in your tone can encourage them to make the to pick up on the cue and make that decision that you're trying to pass on to them which I thought was just it was fascinating that they could pick up on this I, I was amazed, too, that they said that with the pet-directed speech, um, there's been research on Rezus monkeys that have shown that using that speech, whether it's inflection or the person, the experimenter's emotion, um, has yet to be proven. However, mm -hmm. that speech seemed to help their memory. So right away, with all the memory problems we have in society today, I wonder if they have ever done anything like this with dementia patients to try and help their memory by doing not so much a neutral speech, but just kind speech, if that would yeah. make a difference in the long run. I do think I was a bit skeptical when I started reading this at first because I'm not the kind of person that uses baby talk with my pets. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think I just talk in soft, gentle tones around them. I definitely don't do high-pitched. And I find, personally, it winds animals up. It puts them more on alert, which is useful 
for an experiment like this, where you want them to be thinking and figure something out, I feel like for a calm household, winding your dog up with a high-pitched voice is not conducive. But <laughs> they each their own. And it depends on the dog and it depends on the horse. But I was skeptical about this and it did open my eyes. But I wonder, because in this experiment, there are a number of things that are together. You know, we've got this baby talk, but when we talk in that kind of tone, we naturally soften and Mm -hmm. horses are so adept to our body language. Like that's why I wouldn't be overly wordy with my dogs because they speak to me with body language. So I just, you know, use body language in speaking back to them, essentially communicate the way they know how. Now it's amazing that our companion animals are evolving to the point where we can communicate more effectively And on that point, I think it's widely overlooked that parrots can speak to us. I think that's something we don't talk about enough, the fact that they can speak. But to me, I think, I wonder if it is a couple of layers that's involved. You know, is it the positive tone? The horse can feel the emotion, can feel the energy, the body language changes, and then this voice comes with it. And it's almost like, an association of all of it together. Yeah, and and I think it does. I think when it and I don't do baby talk, but I talk softly and um, in a different inflection almost with my horses. And I wonder if that isn't what the horses are picking up on, which would be another research project to determine is it emotion or is it vocal inflection that's really making the difference. But in the grooming procedure, when they were um, doing the pre-familiarization, they made sure that um, the experimenter, when she started speaking pet-directed speech, that she did not do any grooming or touching or stroking. So these horses could not associate that with that experimenter. So they did have a specific methodology with starting this and doing this research. And then when they actually did the um, testing that involved the grooming task, they uh, led the horse to the familiar arena and positioned it in the center on a lead rope. And the experimenter spoke to it for 15 seconds either in pet-directed or adult-directed speech, depending on what group it it was in. And then the grooming task began. The grooming only lasted two minutes, and um, the experimenter would scratch the withers on the left side with their hand while continuing to talk using the same speech type until the end of the two minutes. Now, identical grooming was performed in the two conditions. The experimenter carried out exactly the same movements with identical pressure and frequency of movements. And then prior to the test, they practiced that so they could get the movement and the pressure and the speech down. So they were really precise on this. Hey everyone, 
We want to take a brief moment to tell you about a VXL discount now available on our show page. Each week, we'll have a link under our reference notes that will give our listeners a 10% discount on any VXL membership level. Let go of the stress and guesswork involved in determining what to feed your horse. Using FeedXL program, you can enter in details about your horse and FeedXL will actually generate a ration calculation to show you what nutrients are above or below the recommended levels for good equine health. I've been a member for three years and highly recommend it. Thanks so much. I think um, a lot went into this and those are always the studies that we admire most, I think, on the podcast, the ones where, I mean, all studies, there's a huge amount of thought definitely that goes into the methodology, but the ones where you look at it and you think even the clothes, you know, matching the clothes up on the experimenters, I'm like, that's such a simple thing that can be overlooked and can wildly change the outcome of the study. Yeah. And um, I just felt like they covered all the bases. So there would be no overt activity that would lead the horse to do, you know, one thing or the other, other than the pet directed speech or the adult directed speech. So I felt like they really did cover a lot of the methodology in this and they filmed everything so they could go back and look at the video to see if there were any cues that they were giving the horse that did not pertain to the experiment. I think another thing for me is kind of the psychology behind it, that I think when you talk like that, when you talk, that baby talk is essentially the loving talk you would do towards a child. And there is an aspect for me where I think that has an influence on your mood and your behavior and your emotion. And if you're in a habit of talking that way to your horses, it's going to even, you know, days where you're having tough days, when you do that, it's almost like smiling when you don't feel like it can sometimes help. But it did say that, so this, they do consider that this form of talk should be promoted and included in rider training in order for it to be employed to develop riding, which takes into account the horse's cognitive capacities. And then this will therefore have an impact on, you know, how ethical we are in our riding and how respectful we are of animal welfare, which we always come back to. And I do just think getting in a habit of approaching your horse whether you do the higher inflection, cooing, baby talk, I'm saying that like I'm judging it, but I'm not. <laughs> that's, that's entirely up to you. Or if you do have a habit of just doing, um, just talking a certain way to your horse, it's going to create that bond between you. And it can actually help just improve your mood and your emotion while you're around them too. And I think you know yourself when you say hi to an adult versus the way you walk up to your horse and you go, Hey girl, or, you know, whatever their name is, you almost feel the softening in your chest. Like Mm -hmm. as you say that, Hey, it's very, it's very much different. And I think that has the biggest impact, you know, on us and on them, they really do pick up on it. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Kate. Um, the results of the grooming task were that the horses conducted significantly more grooming gestures um, and looked more toward the experimenter and had less displacements under the pet-directed speech than the adult-directed speech. So um, they actually tried to groom the experimenter back. So there was more of a connection there. And I think you're right, Kate. I think it's, it, it's more of a connection we make with them when our speech makes us calmer and more um, not so stressed out from something maybe that happened during the day or whatever. And um, the pointing um, results were that they picked the bucket more successfully um, with the, and got the food reward um, and less number of trials with the pet directed speech than the adult directed speech. And so I think, you know, if you can, it helps you relate to your horse in a calmer, quieter manner. If it works, go for it. And this study really highlighted that because as Nancy said in the beginning, you know, these horses had no experience of that before. And in that short time frame, showed a positive reaction. So definitely worth being mindful next time you're down in the yard or you're out in the paddock to just maybe use those specific tones for your horse. Yeah, and I wanted to add that um, both buckets had food in them. So how they determined a successful choice was um, if the horse had its muzzle within 20 centimeters of one of the buckets within 30 seconds of being released. And so the pointer or the experimenter would point to the bucket and that's the amount of time they gave that horse to make that choice. So that's pretty good odds that they would pick that bucket that quickly. It definitely wasn't over smelling the food because no. they had that option either way they went. Yep, yep. So that was uh, that was impressive there too. Um, the other thing is they were they went into some reasons why this came out the way it did. And we've mentioned the emotional findings and uh, they saw that the horses looked at the experimenter more. So they thought maybe it's an attention. Uh, it gets their attention more when you speak more, however, softer or gentler or not stressed. They might even hear stress in our voices. Who knows, you know, but um, they said that the pointing task could also be explained by the fact that if the horse looks at and pays more attention to the experimenter, it has a greater chance to detect what the person is indicating and succeed in the test, which as a rider, perhaps it would make training easier. Yeah, I think that's, and how often do we really talk to them during training? You know, are we using our voices as much as we potentially could? Yeah, I just never am a real big talker around the horses. So I, I would, you know, this really brought a lot to my attention, you know, so um, it, the third hypothesis that came out of this was perhaps the capacity of animals 
to understand our intentions because um, that's been studied in different species and maybe it's something we're missing you know uh, maybe that's a paradigm with horses we haven't really experimented much with definitely opens the door to more research Yep. So, but anyway, it's an interesting read. I will put a link on our homepage. And if anybody has any questions, they can shoot it through to us or record on Anchor and we'll play it. And, um, you know, it's something to think about. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook, Conversations in Equine Science. And on Instagram, conversations.equinescience. And drop us a message if you have any questions. Okay, well, thanks, Kate. This was a fun paper, and we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.